We thank you that the King has been born. And today, Lord, like uh, wise men, like shepherds, like angels, we wait for the opportunity to recognize your presence, to sing our songs of praise to you, to enter into this season of anticipation, knowing, Lord, that the great culmination is already promised, is already fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the fairest of all. And we give thanks, O Lord. We give thanks for your goodness to us. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, I love this weekend. I love it because it's such a, a family time. Our college students come home. I get to see them, some of them for the first time since they went off to college. And uh, it's just a good, a good season. Um, just um, Laverne and Paula, mother and daughter, singing the, the Bodeckers. I got a letter, by the way, from the president of Union University about their son this last week. I need to share that with you. But he said send more students like him to uh, Tennessee. So uh, we are grateful for this time. And it's been a a weekend of being with family, uh, with our family. Uh, Casey has seen our family in small doses, you know, just I have so many brothers, so she's met each of them individually. But pandemonium breaks loose when we all get together. And she was running around the house playing hide and seek. And I said, who's it? And she said, the big guy. And I said, really? Which one? And she said, that one. Is he your brother? And I said, he is. And so it was a great, uh, great weekend. And, and I was sitting in the lobby of the hotel where we were staying, waiting for one of the brothers to arrive for a run yesterday morning. And I was reading the Forbes magazine. It was there. And it had the wealthiest people in the world, uh, the wealthiest people in America. And it told about how some had lost wealth in the last year. Imagine that. And uh, that some had gained wealth. Jerry Jones, for instance, has gained wealth. I mean, uh, that's amazing to me in this difficult year. And then Oprah Winfrey lost some wealth this year. Uh, A number of others were listed there. One man, uh, last name Wiley or Vail, if it's pronounced in German, fell all the way out of the fortune richest. And I thought, how terrible that must be just to fall right off the list. And uh, I I wondered, where is our joy Rooted? Is it in some earthly inheritance or is it in some spiritual inheritance? Uh, my eldest son and I were talking uh, almost a year ago when we were contemplating how to bring Casey into our home. And I said, uh, how do you feel about this? He said, I want us to do it. And I said, great. How strongly do you feel? He said, very strongly. I said, do you feel strong enough that we could divide the inheritance three ways instead of two ways? And he said, sure, Dad. You're a Baptist preacher. It's not a big deal. (laughs) I'm just saying, if your inheritance is rooted in earthly material things, Jesus said that can be taken away. But if our joy is deeply founded in personal relationship with Jesus Christ, nobody can ever take that away. And it is this which the Apostle Paul especially celebrates in the book of Colossians, the first chapter where we're going to camp out in these early uh, days of December uh, into Christmas Eve. Would you open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. I've called this first light 
Colossians chapter 1. We'll, we'll read, don't worry, we'll read verses 15 through 27 in the weeks to come as we contemplate Christ and focus on Him. Let's stand together as we read God's Word. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. You may be seated. Paul was grateful for all the right reasons. He gave thanks for this church at Colossae. While he was sitting in a prison cell in Ephesus, he wrote a letter to them and acknowledged. He said, I didn't start your church, but from the moment I heard that your church was started, I started praying for you. And when I heard about you, I gave thanks for your faith and your hope and your love, the faith and love that spring from the hope which is stored up for you in heaven. He said, I gave thanks for you, and he wants to bring this circle of thanksgiving full circle, and he says, so while I'm giving thanks for you, I just wanted to tell you some things that you, for instance, could be thankful for as you grow in knowledge as God increases your strength as you bear fruit in every good work you can give thanks for this our God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light the kingdom of the sun He loves so that our inheritance is the inheritance of all the saints, of all the people of God. This is our inheritance that Paul, who was in the will of God, said, I want you to know the will of God so that you can do the will of God. And the will of God for God's people is that we would be grateful for all that we have in Christ. So we can give thanks today that He has defeated the dominion of darkness as he describes it there in verse 13 there is a pervasive we might say stygian darkness in our world an inky blackness in our world the darkness of sin in the lives of people and he says that has been destroyed by the power of Jesus Christ for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness people lived Isaiah says 
in the darkness of sin. So darkness covered the face of the earth. All the peoples lived in darkness until Christ came. This is why he says we need to be filled, verse 9, with the knowledge of his will through wisdom and understanding so that we'll be able to live different kinds of lives because through Christ we have become different kinds of people. We have been transferred from darkness into the light. If anybody understood that, that was the Apostle Paul who had thought he was in the light while he was persecuting the saints, while he was trying to find more to arrest on the road to Damascus. But there was that shining light that blinded him. And then when the scales fell off his eyes at the touch of Ananias, he realized that God had given him his sight And he became a preacher of the very gospel that he had persecuted. Paul knew what it was like to live in the darkness of ignorance. But he wanted these Colossians to come completely into the light of the knowledge of God. I read this week about some in Europe who are, it's a new trend over there, where they have these restaurants in which you eat in total darkness. In fact, as you come in the door, there is no longer any light and you have to put your hand on the shoulder of your waiter who will lead you to your table and then you have to find your fork and imagine this, eat it, eat with it in the dark. And he talked about how this um, was an unnerving experience for him. He heard a glass break over there and that became of greater concern because of the darkness around them and Then he found out that the waiter who had led him in, Magid was his name, in this restaurant called Unsicht, it means invisible in German, that this uh, waiter in this invisible restaurant, this waiter was blind, that all the waiters, for example, were blind. And that no matter how the food tastes, I guess the theory is without the other senses interfering, food will taste even better. I I guess that's the theory. But he said, regardless, your best guide in a place like that, even the best guide you can find, is blind because nobody sees in the darkness. This is the world into which Christ came. A world of absolute and abject darkness. Not just the darkness of ignorance, but also the darkness of insolence. That is, that rebellion against God where people were, where everyone was going his or her own way. Jesus described it in John chapter 3 when he was talking to Nicodemus and, and said to him, uh, um, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And he went on to say to Nicodemus who had come to him at night, the reason people like the darkness is because they're living in the deeds of darkness and sin. But everyone who comes into the light will do the deeds of light. In other words, the reason people like darkness is because darkness is a cover for our sin. As Frederick Buechner said recently, we're afraid of the darkness, but we're even more afraid of the light because the light will show who we really are. It will show things that we would rather not be seen. And Jesus came to be the light of the world. He entered into our darkness so that he might deliver us from that Darkness, so that we might be taken out from under its dominion, its authority, and translated, transferred into the kingdom of light. And just this week, I read the story of one of our prisoners of war 
who um, was in a place where they not only uh, shackled his hands and feet, but they tied a rope through those ropes and came over with a, a loop over his neck and then tightened it so that his head was pulled down to his knees. And he lived that way every night. And then a new guard came one day, and when everything was silent, he walked in in the silence and motioned him to be still. And he loosened that rope so that he could stretch. And then before... Before the light came the next morning, he came back and tightened it again so that he would not be discovered. The man never said a word to him, never said a word. But on Christmas Day in that Vietnamese prison camp, this guard walked over to the prisoner of war and traced with his foot in the dirt the sign of a cross and simply walked away as if to say, the one who brought deliverance to me is the reason that I have been kind to you. Aren't we grateful that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, that we have been set free from that and also delivered into what he calls the kingdom of light, that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. It is characterized by endurance. It is characterized by patience, by gratitude, by joy, as he describes it there in verse 11, so that we give thanks to the one who has qualified us. God has made us fit to share in the inheritance of of the saints in the kingdom of light. It's also, as he describes it in verse 13, the kingdom of love. It's the kingdom of God's Son, the kingdom of the one that He loves, in whom we have redemption, we have the forgiveness of sins. And that's why you and I need to grow in knowledge. When I read verses 9 and 10 this week, it occurred to me, this is the way God wants our lives to be. He wants us. Does this describe you? He says, so that you will be filled with the knowledge of His will. Paul has said in the first verses, by the will of God. He's an apostle. Now he says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Understanding is complete knowledge. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy. So it's practical knowledge. It will change the way you live. You'll live a life worthy of the Lord and you'll please Him in every way. You'll bear fruit in every good work. Does this describe our lives? Because this is exactly what Jesus meant when he came announcing the kingdom. He meant that our lives would be filled with the knowledge of God. And that knowledge would change the way we live. And we would not only have um, the, uh, the power of knowledge, but we would also have uh, the, the, the power of light in our lives so that would be strengthened According to his glorious might, that is in proportion to the power of God, you would receive power so that you would have endurance and patience and you could joyfully give thanks to the Father. This is a transfer. In fact, the word for transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light is the very same word that was used of the ancient rulers who would go in and take a whole group of people like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, pick them up and move them to a new place and change their citizenship completely. Remember, they changed their names. They became an entirely different people because they had been transferred. This is what Christ has done for us so that we have been set free. Dallas Willard communicates it effectively when he tells about growing up in southern Missouri. I have roots in southern Missouri as well. And he tells about how when the REA came in and first put up the power lines, people were suspicious of those power lines. They preferred their ice boxes, literal ice boxes, to refrigerators. Uh, they had uh, 
their sewing was done by hand, not by sewing machine. They didn't have light. Uh, they had darkness. The, the way that they lived their lives, the way they ate their food, the way they cleaned themselves, all of these things could potentially be changed by simply hooking up to that electric power. It was as if the electric workers were saying, repent, for electricity is here. And you now have light, so you don't have to live in the darkness anymore. And he said, the most amazing thing was that some people said, no, we don't want that. We can't afford that. We don't need that in our lives. And they preferred the darkness to the light. And so they wouldn't receive this gift. They wouldn't turn from their old ways to the new way that had been brought This is precisely what the kingdom of God does when it comes to us. It's a kingdom of light. It dispels darkness everywhere we look. This is the power that God has given us. So Jesus, who was the light of the world, said, You are the light of the world. Now go and dispel darkness. Go and do something about the darkness. Change the world. Be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. Change the world you live in. This is the inheritance that He has qualified us to receive as He describes it. In verse 12, this inheritance comes not based on our works, but based on what Christ has done. Verse 13, for he has rescued us. He has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And of course, we have redemption. Of course, we have the forgiveness of sins. And we give thanks for this inheritance because it's not something we earned. It's something that was given to us. My brother was telling me about... uh, A friend of his, we ran into him on the square in McKinney, Texas yesterday. This man's name was George. He didn't even tell me his last name, George Duane. We met, and uh, my brother said, let me tell you about George. He's my next-door neighbor. He's the builder of my home. He's the developer of our subdivision. And he said, George was on a mission trip to Africa. And while he was on this mission trip to Africa, he was... um, in one of those camps, like Abby Tracy, one of the missionaries we work with in Uganda, um, and he was in one of those uh, refuges that they set up for the street children. And he was there, and he was talking to the administrator of that, this missionary, and he said, tell me about these children. She said, well, we give them a meal, and we give them a place to sleep. That's what we do for them. We're trying to get them off the street. We're trying to get them out of drugs, out of prostitution. That's what we're trying to do. And he said, well, well, what happens to these kids? I mean, what happens to them ultimately? And she says, not many of them survive. And he said, well, well, how many of them? What are the odds that one of these kids would get out? What are the odds? And she said, well, like one in a million. One in a million odds that these kids would get out. And he was just so discouraged by that, you can imagine. And that evening, he was sitting there as the children came in, and he was talking with the kids, and there was one little girl, and she came over and sat beside him. And he turned to her and he said, and what is your name? And she looked at him and said, million. He said, million? No, what's your name? She said, million. Million. Million is my name. And he was just broken when he realized, here's a little girl. One in a million gets out, and here's a little girl named Million. And he called his wife, and he went home and got her. They came back, and they, uh, Million lives next door to my brother now, is is the end of the story. And she's just brought into this family and she is delivered from the darkness of of drugs and her past and she's given a brand new life by, by the love. And this is a picture of what God has done for us in Christ, that He has given us this inheritance. Look, if your inheritance is wrapped up in things that can go away... then you can be very sad. You you can tell what your idols are, somebody has said, by what you do in your solitude. (laughs) If your mind goes first to sports, well, then then you're you're as happy as your sports teams are doing. It's not been a good week for me. Just wanted you to know. (laughs) 
If you're, if you're um, thinking in terms of possessions and then the stock market drops, well then, then you lose happiness, you lose value, you lose your sense of worth because you're all wrapped up in that idol. But if your inheritance is that which can never be taken away, where moth can't corrupt, where rust cannot corrupt, where thieves can't break in and steal, if we store up our treasures in heaven in relationship, if God becomes as we heard in the song, our portion, if he becomes our inheritance, then nobody can ever take that away. A couple of uh, weeks ago, I'll tell you my idol, I was sitting at the computer watching my basketball team because they weren't on TV. And I'm sitting there watching it. Melanie's upstairs watching something else on TV. And uh, Casey comes walking up to me and she says, I- I've got to ask you something. It's kind of scary. I said, okay, I'm ready. Go ahead, fire away. And she said, well, all this time, you know, she knew us before she came into our home, and she knew us as Dwayne and Melanie. And uh, so all this time she's been calling me Dwayne, and she's been calling Melanie Melanie. And she says, uh, well, I need to ask you this. Would it be okay if I call you Dad? And I said, yeah, that would be great. And she said, okay, what are you doing, Dad? <laughs> well, I'm watching my basketball team on the computer and she went up the stairs and I heard her and she stopped Melanie I heard the TV go silent and she said would it be okay if I call you mom and Melanie said yeah that would be great what are you doing mom and uh, tomorrow is our is our hearing uh, the final if you know the process the final permanency hearing which would then lead to adoption in in the months to come and um, so pray for us in that hearing but I was just thinking this is what we have experienced in Christ that God has done all of this for us in Jesus Christ and he is just waiting for that moment when we will look up to him and call him father and have relationship with him. And if we said to him this morning, what are you doing, father? What are you doing? He would say, I'm giving you a kingdom. I'm giving you your inheritance. And wouldn't we be grateful for all that we have in Christ? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you that you are more than enough for us, that your grace is sufficient, that your goodness is overwhelming. Lord, we stand in awe of you, and we pray that you would help us to receive your gift, the gift of a kingdom, the gift of our inheritance, Lord. And I pray that we would live lives worthy of that calling, that we would grow in knowledge, that we would experience your strength so that we might have endurance and patience and thanksgiving and joy. Thank you, Father, that we are loved in Jesus Christ just as you love Jesus. That you have called us to a life of of peace and joy and fullness and humility and nobility. A life that lasts forever in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we who have been in the darkness would not prefer darkness over light, but we would choose to receive your gift today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.